Star Wars 7x7 episode 812. Today we've been building up to this all week long. It's my theory about what happened to Ahsoka Tano after the finale of season two of Star Wars Rebels. Punch it, Chewie. Feel a disturbance in the force? It's Star Wars 7x7, your daily seven-minute podcast with your host, Alan Voivod. Destiny Unleashed. Hey Rebel Rouser, welcome to Star Wars 7x7. I'm your host, Alan Voivod, and this is going to be probably a longer episode because we've got a lot to dig into, so thank you very much in advance for staying with me on this one. And I'd like to begin by saying that there is no mystery about the fate of Ahsoka Tano. Dave Filoni knows exactly what happened to her. The story group knows exactly what happened to her after the end of Twilight of the Apprentice. That, of course, being the title of that final slam-bang episode of Rebel Season 2. Now, there are a lot of theories out there about what could have happened to Ahsoka Tano, and in fact, there are articles where they go through multiple different options of what could have happened to her. And I've got links for those in the blog post for the show's episode at SW7x7.com. But the majority of those were written up before Dave Filoni released some very provocative images that tell a metaphorical story of what happens to Ahsoka after the finale of Season 2 of Rebels. So we're going to get into that a little bit later, but first I want to set the stage with what we know currently about the situation. So at the end of the episode, there's been a huge explosion in the Sith Temple and we see Darth Vader staggering away from it, and we see Ahsoka inside going through a doorway and proceeding down some stairs. Next to share with you is a bit from Amy Ratcliffe's recap of the episode for Nerdist, in which she says, quote, Filoni has often compared Ahsoka's role in Rebels to that of Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings. I'd like to think it means we haven't seen the last of her. Vader was her Balrog, and maybe she'll be back as a Force ghost or something else. And Filoni also kind of added some credence to this in an interview on a panel with uh, at New York Comic Con where he said about Ahsoka, she shows up when necessary. She's dealing with bigger, darker problems. Meanwhile, Ashley Eckstein pointed out that Ahsoka's lightsabers are white because she's neutral. And if you're not familiar with Ashley, she is the voice behind Ahsoka in Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars, of course. Now, Let's switch over to talking about Bendu since we're talking about neutrality. And Dave Filoni says he wanted Bendu, that's the new giant character that we've seen in the Season 3 trailer and a clip from Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels. Filoni says, I wanted Bendu to feel like a character out of an ancient time. You don't know much about him. He's like a bombadil, which is a reference to a character of Lord of the Rings. He's in the story and it's unclear what his role is or what side he's on, what affects him, what doesn't. He seems to not play by the rules of everyone else in the story. Beyond what the Jedi and the Sith have organized around the Force, beyond the beliefs that they have put on it as a way, there is an older way of thought. The Force exists, and this is important, beyond the Jedi and the Sith, Filoni continues. The Jedi and the Sith are a practice within the Force, a way of controlling, a way of thinking, but they are not the be-all, end-all. We got into that with the priestesses in the Yoda arc, and that would be Season 6 of The Clone Wars. And the Force Wielders of Mortis, that's in Season 3 of The Clone Wars, where they are these beings out there who are ancient and wise and look at the battle between the Jedi and the Sith and their self-importance is childish to them. They're these older definitions which to me come out of George Lucas's mind. So the Force's origin, of course, is George Lucas's mind. So if you go back in time and you talk about ancient things in the Force, you're talking about George's initial thoughts. Bendu is actually derivative of the Order of Dai Bendu, which was the full name of the Jedi a long, long time ago. 
So that's why Bendu seems to know a lot about them, about Kanan, that he's a Jedi. He finds that kind of fun and cute, but of course, voice actor Tom Baker has his own agenda. He's fantastic at being Bendu, unquote. So now, not only have we brought Bendu into this, we've also brought the priestesses from the Yoda story arc at the end of the Clone Wars series. That season six is the one that only appeared on Netflix. And we also have the father and the son and the daughter that appeared in the Mortis arc in season three of the Clone Wars as well. So now we're bringing in a lot of heavy stuff into this whole discussion. Now, digressing slightly, but believe me, it all ties in together. A little bit about the Convor. Now, the Convor is the owl-like creature with the long tail that we see at the end of the episode that sees Darth Vader walking out of the temple and that flies down into the smoke. And then that's when it cuts to seeing Ahsoka inside the temple and we see her going down the stairs. So why a Convor? What is it there for? What is it about? Filoni actually has a response to someone who was interviewing him for IGN and it was proposed that the Convor was an avatar of something, and he says, I love the idea of it being an avatar. I would tell you, though, that it is absolutely not an avatar of the dark side. It definitely has a meaning for me as a storyteller. It's a subtle thing that if you know what the owl represents, then it deepens the lore of the whole thing, and you go, okay, there are things at work here that are beyond our reckoning. In some ways, I could say that it's a messenger, it's an observer. I would suggest to say that whatever that thing is, is an avatar of actually... This is a little grammatically weird. An avatar of has actually appeared in the animated Star Wars universe before, quote-unquote. And many people have noted online that they think the Convor scene in this episode is or has a similar coloring to the color scheme that the daughter wears in the Mortis Arc trilogy of episodes from Season 3 of The Clone Wars. Personally, I've stared at that thing for so long, and I just can't see it. I'm... I'm frustrated by that. I'm not saying I don't believe anyone. I'm just saying for some reason I can't see it. I'm not colorblind or anything, so I don't know why I seem to be unable to penetrate that particular mystery. But there it is for you to at least chew on for the moment. Now, also in that IGN interview, Dave talks about Ahsoka's reasoning in that moment where she decides to stay in the temple and where she hears the voice of Anakin within Darth Vader. And he says that, quote, I believe that also in that moment she realizes that what can she possibly do for him? Her strength is a character saying, I will not leave you. Not this time. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to see how this plays out here and now. Whatever that means, that maybe that show of kindness and strength toward her old friend helps. Okay, so a couple more things. So Pablo Hidalgo was at Salt Lake City Comic Con not too long ago. And he said, among other things, number one, that... Vader thinks that Ahsoka is gone, period, paragraph, end of story. And he also said that in the making of the episode, Dave Filoni had an extra bit of stuff in the episode that he thought would make it clear as to what happens to Ahsoka and what her fate is, but that upon the viewing of it, it actually seemed to make it more vague, and so they ended up removing it. So there is additional material on the cutting room floor that possibly lends some insight or possibly muddies the waters somewhat. But the last thing I want to share with you is what Dave Filoni said at the very end of the Ahsoka's Untold Tales panel at Star Wars Celebration Europe. So I'm going to let the man himself tell you it. So the only spoilerific thing that I would say, and perhaps you will find some type of relaxation for this for your long flight home, but because of, and I'm rarely, 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 ever affected by fan opinion. I just can't allow myself to be. You get a wrong story. But I was very adamant after the season two finale that that was it uh, for Ahsoka on Rebels. 
I'm not going to say what form any story would take place. But after the reaction, I don't know. I don't know. I might. It just might be possible. It doesn't necessarily mean what some of us would want it to mean, maybe. But it might be possible to see her again. She might have something to do, maybe. Dave Filoni, Pablo Hidalgo, and Ashley Eckstein, Ahsoka. The untold tales of Ahsoka, give it up for them. Okay, now Dave is sort of partially talking to Ashley Eckstein on the panel that this was happening at, at Star Wars Celebration Europe, and that's specifically also about giving you comfort for your long flight home and so on and so forth. And that's David Collins at the very end announcing Dave and Pablo and Ashley and the Ahsoka's Untold Tales wrap-up little comment there at the end when everybody starts applauding like mad. And to give a little further insight to this, Pablo Hidalgo had something to say at Salt Lake City Comic Con about the appearance of Ahsoka Tano in Rebels, or at least the resolution of her story in Rebels. Initially, Dave had not planned to do that within Rebels, and now he is planning on doing it somehow. So it could even be as early as Season 3. It could happen this season. We could get some resolution or some insight into what's happened to Ahsoka, some official insight, if you will. But Dave is already hinting at some of this because he released a series of cards on the Star Wars Card Trader app in an artist series. It's a 10-card series of images that tie into the ending of Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels and have images that continue the story. And he shared some of them during that Ahsoka's Untold Tales panel, and the rest of them were available to find on the Star Wars Card Trader app. Now, we're going to have those images linked at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7X7.com. I'm going to upload them to a photo album on Facebook, and I will embed that photo album at the blog post there. Now, here's what Dave Filoni says about those images. And again, this comes from the Ahsoka's Untold Tales panel at Star Wars Celebration Europe back in July. I did a series of images for Tops. And uh, I believe, and I'm looking at Claudia, well, you'll be able to get these today, is that right? Right after the panel, because these are online. See, I'm old now, and I don't understand, but evidently young people collect cards online, and they have them <laughs> digitally. I used to actually have them as cards, which is why we call them cards. cards. Yes, yeah. These are something new that I don't understand, but they collect them this way now. It's like, you know, Pokemon, I guess. And so... These are images I made just for tops that start to explain visually, metaphorically, what the end is about. So there are only six here, but I did ten total. You have to go to tops to get the other four. But you see, look, there's you and Vader, and they're all just red and black and white. All it's red and black. And they're, they're, so you can stare at them for hours and try to figure out what does it mean. You know, these are the most revealing here the most interesting, I think, because this starts to get into really these kind of uh, psychological subconsciousness. What does this journey into the underworld mean? Because it obviously is Ahsoka in that doorway. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I know. And so this <laughs> is going to tell you a little bit if you stare at these. It's not like if you stare at them, the image becomes something else. It's no, not it's one not of those things guy, like at the so. mall. It's not a magic trick. Yeah. It's just to try to understand the metaphors and the symbolism and the meaning of this journey 
which is a, a very classic journey. Literally, the mm. more images you show, yes. the more questions come yes. up. Isn't that true? This. Oh, what about this you one? want to talk? And as far as the two that he flags as the most important, don't worry, I will make sure that you understand that clearly as we move forward. So let's talk about those 10 images. I am going to describe them to you. They will be ordered on the blog post for the show's episode and in that photo album on Facebook. But let's dive into it. So five of the 10 pertain to things that we already know. There's a card with Vader and Ahsoka. There's a card with Ahsoka lighting up her lightsabers. There's a card with Vader's mask and the crack in it. And you can see Ahsoka walking in the hole in his mask. There's a card with Vader standing outside the ruined temple. And there's a card that shows Ahsoka in that triangular doorway, but it shows it from the opposite perspective that we see it in the episode. We actually see this from Ahsoka's front, so we are inside wherever she is going. And that fifth card makes it clear that she is going downstairs. There were some folks who online had theorized that she was collapsing into whatever that portal was, that doorway was, and that she was dying right in that moment. And it seems that that is not the case. It seems that she was actually going down some sort of staircase, but maybe it's not just your average staircase. So the sixth card is one of the ones that Filoni flagged as being very important. It shows Ahsoka standing on a bit of a platform at the bottom of the staircase. And interestingly, you can see that Two different staircases lead down to this platform, so it suggests that there is another way back up, and yet Ahsoka chooses not to go that way. It shows a white path that proceeds off into the distance, and there's red all around the path, and a couple of things that are standing straight up. They look like they could be trees. You see later they look like support posts of some kind, and off in the distance perched on one of them is a convoy. Now, everything in these cards is done in red, white, and black, so if this convoy is a convoy with the coloring of the daughter from that Mortis arc, there's no way to tell because the color scheme in the cards just will not reveal it. But that's supposed to be potentially the messenger that we saw flying down into the smoke at the end of the Twilight of the Apprentice episode. Messenger or observer, what have you. And Davis said in a recent interview that... People who are looking for the meaning of owls and what they represent are, quote-unquote, digging in the right place. And so let's talk a little bit about what owls mean in mythology, in psychology, in the subconscious, and all that stuff. So Athena, who is the Greek goddess of reason, wisdom, and also the goddess of war, adopted the owl as one of her symbols and as her favorite feathered creature. And so the Greek armies thought that owls were a good omen if they were flying over the army going to war, that that was a good sign that they were going to be successful in war. The Romans, however, kind of had a worse impression of owls, and they, in fact, saw them as harbingers of death. In fact, they said that to hear the hoot of an owl was to presage imminent death, and they even believed that the deaths of Julius Caesar, of Augustus, and other folks were all predicted by owls hooting. So this becomes relevant in the episode prior to Twilight of the Apprentice. That would be the mystery of Chopper Base from Season 2 of Star Wars Rebels, where at the very end... There is a convoy scene in that episode, and that convoy gives a hoot before we go to black with the Star Wars Rebels logo. But the only people who officially die, at least as far as we know, in Twilight of the Apprentice are the three Inquisitors that we see in the episode. And so 
I don't think that really applies. So I think we're talking about Ahsoka. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say, well, this is what this is all about. <laughs> Theorizing, right? So part one is that, yes, this is a death of some kind, but it's a metaphorical death. And it's possibly not a straight-up physical death for Ahsoka. So let's dig in and continue with the rest of the Artist Series cards and see what they reveal to us. The seventh card is the other card that Dave Filoni says is particularly important. And it's a picture of Ahsoka, and she seems to be on that white path that we saw in the sixth card. But that path is actually liquid. It's some sort of... I would say water, but again, with it being red, white, and black, it's really hard to tell for sure. But she is waist deep in some sort of liquid and walking along some kind of path. So now we get into the whole subconscious thing that Dave Filoni was hinting at. And Dave did say in that uh, clip that we played a little bit earlier that this is an underworld situation. So not only is she in sort of a, you know, Hades, like, you know, that sort of underworld journey, a Dante's Inferno possibly kind of thing, but also wading through water. Water is often a symbol of the subconscious mind. And there are some dream interpretations which say that wading in water can deal with relationships. Particularly if you are wading through water and you are going with the flow of it, that it's an indicator of a positive spin on relationships. If you're wading in water where the water is flowing against you and you're kind of like fighting it upstream, basically, that's supposed to be a symbol of difficulty in relationships. So it's hard to say, but the way that we see Ahsoka in the water in this card does seem to indicate that she's not having to fight what she's doing. She's just walking through liquid, basically. We're assuming water, so let's go with water. Why not? And I think this ties back into what went on with her invader, with the temple falling apart and her deciding not to leave him, even if that meant she was going to die. And, you know, she just has to go, okay, well, I guess we're going to see how this turns out, but she won't abandon him. And so this, in a way, is evocative of her reconciling with any guilt that she may have been carrying about not being around in the Jedi Order when Order 66 went down and not being there to potentially prevent Anakin from going to the dark side of the Force and causing so much mayhem across the galaxy. She has a ton of guilt about that situation, and this may be the way that subconsciously, psychically, she works through it. The eighth image shows her continuing along, and it's a perspective from above where we see her walking, and it's not in white anymore. Now it's in red. It's different shades of red, and we see more of these pillars. And we also see the convoy flying along with her in the same direction. So it appears to be behind her or directly above her, so it's not guiding her. It seems to be more following her than actually guiding her. The ninth image shows her out of the water and onto a new set of stairs. And we know this is not the same set of stairs that she came down from because the doorway that she's gone through is square. It's not triangular like in the first one. And there is only one staircase here. There are not two staircases. So she is seen starting to walk up those staircases. And the very last image, the tenth image, is of her walking through another doorway. This one is circular in nature as opposed to the triangular one. And the frame of that doorway or that portal is ringed with running wolves. White running wolves are circling that entire portal. 
Now, I did manage to find a reference online about wolves and an interview with Dave Filoni about his thoughts on wolves. And he says, well, I love wolves and the farthest back I've been able to trace. That is the Carol Ballard film, Never Cry Wolf. I saw that as a kid and oddly, that's a Disney film. So that's kind of a strange crossover. And I've always just kind of studied them. Their ecology, their survival as an endangered species. I've always found it interesting that they're a predator that is kind of mislabeled as just a really aggressive creature. I mean, they are what they are. They're not domestic by any nature. I like the animal, and I'm a big believer in kids learning more about the world around them, not judging things at face value, but really digging in and saying, well, why do we have these fears, and why do we have these prejudices? So in researching the meanings uh, for wolves, this is what you end up coming up with. Things about loyalty and strength and very social creatures as well, that wolves are very friendly. They're also incredible communicators. There's also a bit that says, in Asia, the wolf guards the doors that allow entrance to heavenly celestial realms. So you could make a case that Ahsoka is passing from an underworld to a heavenly or celestial realm. It also has the potential to reflect a deep connection with intuition and instinct. And then, of course, there's the fact that in Egyptian culture, Anubis is the god of funerals, death, the dead, and the afterlife, and is depicted with a wolf's head. It was originally thought to be a jackal, but I guess over time they figured out that the animals are reclassified or were reclassified, according to Wikipedia, as the African golden wolf. Now, it's also worth noting that she passes through a circular portal at the end, and she's going through a triangular one, which is definitely Sith-related, the triangular one in the beginning, but as far as circles and their meaning go, here you go. Circle is a symbol of boundary and enclosure, of completion, and returning cycles, and it's also a reflective of the dyad, the, introdu the introduction of duality, representing creation and manifestation. Oh, and a couple other things about owls I wanted to tell you about. So from Native Americans folk or First Nations folk, they say the owl has a family connection to sorcerers as well as companions to seers, supernatural, and medicine people. So you could draw a line to force wielders and force sensitive people in that sense. And there was a time where owls were honored as the keeper of spirits who had passed from one plane to another. And often myth indicates the owl accompanying a spirit to the underworld, winging its newly freed soul from the physical world into the realm of spirit. What else can I tell you? Oh, let's throw this into the mix. The fact that the Sith temple is constructed uh, with various different levels, so you could also draw a connection to Dante's Inferno with the various rings of hell in that. And... He does specifically describe where she is as an underworld, especially in referring to the image of her standing on the platform with the two staircases down, looking out at the watery path with the convoy off in the distance. And here is what Wikipedia says about trips into the underworld in terms of mythology. There's actually a term for it, catabasis, or catabases, or bases. <laughs> Sorry about the pronunciation. Anyway, the trip to the underworld is a mytheme of comparative mythology found in a number of diverse religions from around the world. The hero or upper world deity journeys to the underworld or to the land of the dead and returns, often with a quest object or loved one or with heightened knowledge. The ability to enter the realm of the dead while still alive and to return is proof of the classical hero's exceptional status as more than mortal. A deity who returns from the underworld demonstrates eschatological themes such as the cyclical nature of time and existence, the defeat of death, and the possibility of immortality. So there we go through a cyclical circular portal. And Catabasis is the epic convention of the hero's trip into the underworld. In Greek mythology, for example, Orpheus enters the underworld in order to bring Eurydice back to the world of the living. 
Most catabases take place in a supernatural underworld, such as Hades or Hell, as in Nikia, the 11th book of the Odyssey, which describes Odysseus's descent to the underworld. However, catabases can also refer to a journey through other dystopic areas, like those Odysseus encounters on his 20-year journey back from Troy to Ithaca, or, if you will, making your way through a Sith temple at the you know bottom of it, where there's crazy water and who knows what else. Somebody else, uh, Pilar Serrano, allows the term catabasis to encompass briefer chronic stays in the underworld, including those of Lazarus and Castor and Pollux. In this case, however, the catabasis must be followed by an anabasis, a going or marching up, in order to be considered a true catabasis instead of a death. So where does all this lead us? Well, first of all, as to the question of whether Ahsoka is alive or dead, I think it's pretty clear she's alive. I mean, all signs point to yes on that, but... The real question is what form she actually exists in. There's nothing to indicate that she is dead or that she was any the worse for wear from her battle with Darth Vader. We never saw anything that suggested that she was in bad shape at all. And certainly the the cards that we see in the artist series from Dave Filoni don't suggest that she was injured in any way. She seems to be walking down that staircase of her own volition without any, you know, without any limps, without any collapsing, without anything like that. Granted, there's some time in the temple that we don't see, so we don't know what happened with them once, you know, the walls dropped and Ezra and the rest of the gang took off, but something must have happened where they must have been separated. Vader and Ahsoka must have been separated. And Vader got out of the temple, and Vader thinks she's gone. But whether she was you know, injured or killed in whatever happened that separated them, yeah, that's still an open question. We don't know. But the fact that we're seeing her walk down some stairs at the end of the episode, and the fact that this is continued in the artist card series suggests that she is alive and she is in (laughs) not in perfect hibernation for the uh, Lando quote there but that she is in some sort of transitional state and maybe there is something with the life force from the daughter involved in all of this and if you haven't seen the episode or you need the reminder so Ahsoka had been infected by the by the sun in the Mortis arc in Clone Wars Season 3, and I guess infected is the you know good a way as any to describe it because he was in disguise and bit her, and she ended up being influenced by the dark side and doing his will. But uh, once he decided he didn't need her anymore, he just kind of tapped her on the forehead and she collapsed. And she, you know, there are some things that say she was dead in that moment, and if you listen to the dialogue, it doesn't necessarily say in the dialogue that she was dead. Um, you know, he's going to breathe life into her with um, uh, with the life force from the dying daughter, but the father says there is no light in her. The dark side will consume her. That suggests that she hasn't been consumed yet, which suggests that she wasn't dead yet. So, there had been talk online about how Ahsoka is really sort of a reincarnated daughter from the Clone Wars series, but I don't think that's really the case, but she definitely has some of the life force energy of the daughter in her because the daughter gave the rest of her life force as she was dying to Ahsoka to clean her out of all the dark side stuff and get her back to the world of the living again. Sort of pulled her out of a dark side coma, if you will. So the fact that then people are looking at this convoy that's flying around with her and suggesting that maybe this is an avatar of the daughter, that would certainly seem to be 
the clear implication that Dave Filoni is making that the owl is an avatar of something that already exists in the Star Wars animated universe. He was specific about saying the animated universe, which would certainly qualify the daughter to be that person or that avatar. So to be more specific, what I think is happening here is that Ahsoka has descended into an underworld where she has as an observer, as a messenger, as a guide of sorts, but not really a direct guide, somebody who is more going to accompany her instead or something, um, has an avatar of the daughter as a guide through a journey into the underworld where she is resolving all of her guilt and her issues with Darth Vader and Anakin's transformation into Darth Vader. And as a result, she is going to come out the other side of this more powerful than she has ever been before. But by the same token, I think she's coming out more detached from things than she ever has before because she is releasing these things. And she is, as we pointed out before, not a Jedi anymore. And she certainly was never a Sith. So she is neutral now. And I think she is essentially becoming something that is more akin to what Bendu is. She's ascended to a new level of wisdom in the Force, and not a Jedi or a Sith-related one, but a neutral one, and one that will make her a very powerful player in terms of Force-wielders in the Star Wars galaxy. And as a result, I don't think she's going to be really involved in this petty rebellion stuff anymore. I think she's going to have a lot bigger fish to fry, and we may get to see a glimpse of what that could be in Season 3 of Rebels. Wouldn't that be wicked exciting? So I just want to say at the end of this, thank you so much for sticking with me on this one. It's definitely a longer one and a much different episode from the kinds of episodes I normally do, even for pursuing something like this. It's you know also a lot more in-depth and detailed compared to, say, the Darth Vader Rogue One Theory episode that we did back in episode, whoa, 773 that was. But there's a ton of stuff to consider about this and bring to bear on the discussion. And as Dave Filoni and also Pablo Hidalgo have said in various points, that Star Wars is more interesting when you bring outside sources into it. When you just stick within Star Wars, you just make it narrower and narrower and you appeal to fewer and fewer people. But Star Wars succeeds as well as it does because of the outside influences that it's able to draw into it and make part of the mythology. And so thank you very much for sticking with me as I pulled so many disparate parts into this discussion of what could have happened to Ahsoka Tano at the end of Star Wars Rebels and what Dave Filoni has up his sleeve for her going forward. And as for what Dave has up his sleeve for Season 3 in general, well, tomorrow is the big day where we get the Rebels Season 3 premiere, and we've got some podcasters chiming in on what they think is on tap for Season 3. We're going to do that in tomorrow's episode for you that comes out in the morning, and then Sunday we will have the breakdown of the new episode of Season 3 of Star Wars Rebels. I'm Alan Voivod, your host, and that is going to do it for us. We're going to skip trivia and do it tomorrow. And I just have one last little business to handle with you, which is this. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2016 Star Wars. Unless we hope you love it. You love podcasts. The stories, the laughs, the unexpected turns. But when this episode ends, the silence starts. Not anymore. Audiobooks.com turns that silence into your next great adventure. With over 450,000 titles, from bestsellers to hidden gems, your love for listening just found its new best friend. And because you already know the joy of audio, we're giving you three free audiobooks to start your journey. Imagine your favorite podcast, now with unlimited episodes. 
That's audiobooks.com. Keep the story going. Sign up for your free trial at audiobooks.com slash podcast free today. Because for podcast lovers like you, the end of an episode is just the beginning. That's audiobooks.com slash podcast F-R-E-E.